You're listening to the Sewing and Growing podcast and radio show with J and J. All right, glory to God, Maranatha, Hallelujah, which means praise the Lord. If you didn't know. Um, which is a, a safe assumption to think that a lot of people probably don't know what hallelujah means. It's just part of Christian culture and you get wrapped up into it and you just start saying hallelujah with all the other people saying hallelujah. What does Maranatha mean? And it's a statement that Paul says, um, which I'm not exactly sure what Maranatha means. Do you remember from the nineties and maybe Maranatha music? Yeah. That it's was a, a creation. A Isn't it a greeting? Maranatha music was a creation of the founder of Calvary chapels which you probably remember from Chelsea Grammar and Jesus Revolution. What is the name of the pastor? Oh, come on. I can do this. I'm trying to think. Know. Chuck? It was Chuck something, wasn't it? Chuck Misler? No, Chuck <laughs> Misler is an end times minister. I don't even think he's still Oh, it's an Aramaic phrase. And What does it mean? It means effort. our Lord comes or our Lord is coming. Uh, so Paul uses it in 1 Corinthians. Cool. Maranatha. Yeah. So sometimes we just kind of... Chuck Smith is the name of Chuck the Smith. He helped create Maranatha music for all the music that was coming out from Calvary churches. Yeah. So there you go. You Now you can maybe start using Maranatha in your repertoire. But if you say hallelujah, you hear a lot of other people saying hallelujah. It means praise the Lord. And then amen means so be it. Yeah. So you have so to be, be careful it. about when you say amen, because a lot of times you say, you're saying, I agree, or like, that's a true yeah. statement, but you don't want that to happen. Like yeah. the world is going to hell in amen. a handbasket. Amen. I agree. I remember, you might agree with that statement, but you don't agree in wanting the world to go to hell like, in a handbasket. Our community is in a terrible place. Amen. amen. Which I don't think our pastors ever said. I'm just no. trying to come to things in a quick thought. I'll give you a funny statement that has nothing to do with our church, except that it was a youth camp that we were having. And there was a kid who's now a young adult, and he was sitting next to me, and he was sleeping in the service. And the minister was talking about hell and trying to put the fear of God into us. And it was a vision that somebody had of hell. And he was having a vision of hell. He may have gone to hell in a trance or something of the sorts. And his fingernails were being ripped off by demons. And he woke up in the middle of that. And the minister was saying, and his fingernails were being ripped off by demons. And he just shouted out because he woke up, amen. And everyone <laughs> looked at him. And it was like, wow, what just happened? It was so embarrassing for him. I felt so bad for him. <laughs> his fingernails were being ripped out of the cuticles by yeah. demons. Ooh. Amen. <laughs> yes, they were. I agree. So be it. I mean, I've been in, I've been called out in the middle of church by a pastor before in the middle of his sermon. You have? Yeah. Cause I was giggling so much. I was Ooh. sitting on the back wall giggling with my friends. And then it was like, Hey, in the back, you three, you're being very disruptive. And if there's something that funny, I recommend you might go out in the hall and laugh about it, or you can share it with us. Was that in a youth service or were your parents in that service? My parents were in that service. Oh, I bet you got some reprimandation. And, they, and it was like, and they said like, what'll it be? And then he waited and I'm just sitting there like, this is the most uncomfortable I've ever been. I'd rather get my teeth pulled. Like what's going on? I just remember if it's that funny, you can go out in the hall or you can share it with all of us. And then he just sat there. Is this a minister that still comes to this church? Yeah. All right, tell me after the fact that it was. All it right. was intense, man. It was <laughs> so intense. I like kind of just kind of curling. My heart is beating heavily right now. <laughs> Post, I mean, you're 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 
you're experiencing secondhand embarrassment anxi- way after the fact. Anxiety. Wow. Okay. Well, that's not what we're going to talk about. What I'm going to do about that is I'm going to shake it off what, what I'm experiencing <laughs> right now, which is actually the title of this episode. And I got the idea for this because every year I do a bonfire night with our youth students and I like talking about the fire of God. And in my Bible in a Year program, I know I'm bringing that up in a lot of these podcasts, but I was in Acts chapter 28 and there's a story of Paul shaking a snake into a fire. And I thought, I can compare this to bonfire night. Paul was practically having a bonfire. So let's read a section of scripture, Acts 28 verses one through six, and then we'll talk about it. Shake it off, shake it off. Yeah, we aren't Swifties right now. No. But thank you for adding that. A lot more uh, probably male Swifties now because it, she's tied to Travis Kelsey. Great tight end. As good as Gronk, <laughs> as good as Shannon Sharp. No. As funny as Shannon Sharp, probably no. definitely Is he not. like a staple in, on his team like George Kittle for the uh, 49ers? Crazy thing, real quick. I know I was just about to get into the word of God and <laughs> derailed me, but Kelsey's the same age as Gronk. Really? Gronk is retired. Yeah. Kelsey, I feel like it seems like well, he needs, I didn't really know much he needs about to him. Win until a few recently. more Super Bowls. There you go. And his brother is a lineman for the Eagles. The Kelsey brothers. That's impressive. Anytime two siblings make it to the NFL. I know. It's like, what are the odds that one of your children makes it to the NFL? It's like one in a millions. Then two? In the same sport? Good genes. Good genes. Good genes. Levi's. Denim, let's go. Yeah. I'm not going to deal with Good jeans. Let's get into the good word. Acts 28, verses 1 through 6 say, Now, when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta, and the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. Come on, he shook it off. He shake it off. Verse six. (laughs) However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a God. So let's look at the context of Acts chapter 28. And honestly, the context of most of Acts, I think from chapter nine on, is the life of Paul. Paul was a Pharisee among Pharisees. He was going about persecuting, actually facilitating the killing of Christians, had the Damascus Road experience where he saw the Lord. Uh, Then it follows his life. And Paul, as his missionary journeys progressed, he had something burning in his heart, a purpose in his heart. And it was to get to what we talked about last week, to get to Rome. He wanted to get to Rome. He's like, I got to get to Rome. There's believers in Rome. It's been on his mind. The Roman Weekly. Empire was Weekly. on his mind <laughs> daily, probably. And he actually found out it was from the Spirit of God. And we find that people actually were trying to discourage Paul from getting to Rome because they knew that persecution was going right. to come to him. I think of Agabus. He was a prophet, and he showed up in a meeting, and he had a belt, and he was like wrapping himself in a belt. And he said, by the Spirit of God, I know that chains await you in Rome. And Paul said such a convicted manly thing. He said, not only am I willing to be chained for the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm willing to die for the Lord Jesus Christ in Rome. So in a roundabout way, he doesn't go on the Royal Caribbean boat cruise 
to Rome. He gets <laughs> imprisoned and he's on a slave ship and he gets to a spot where he says, Hey, <laughs> I was like, Oh, so he's on carnival cruise. Then. <laughs> ah, that's funny. Good joke. Good joke. Sure. He's on the carnival cruise. He's in the underbelly Sorry. of the beast. And he tells him we shouldn't go. We shouldn't be on this section of journey. I know that if we do embark on this part, we're going to have a terrible time at it. I know about it. And they go anyways. So they're going, and then a storm hits, and he said, hey, because I'm on this boat, no one's going to die. I know this by a ministering spirit. I know that none of us are going to die. None of us are going to suffer loss, but we're going to pretty much have a shipwreck. And that's what happens in Acts 28. So when it says, when they escaped, they actually had a boat crash. They were 600 miles away from Rome. So this hurricane took them 600 miles off course, and they land in Malta. That's how you discover a new continent. It's pretty wild how they ended up in Malta. And it said that, I'm trying to find it, uh, that the natives showed us unusual kindness. Now, the word natives here in the New King James translation has a little footnote because a lot of translations say barbarians. So unusual kindness, we might think, oh, they (laughs) baked Paul a cake when he arrived there. No, these were cannibals. (laughs) They didn't eat him. That was the unusual part of the kindness. That's pretty kind if you're a cannibal. It's very kind. That's like me refusing to eat any of my natural food. I mean, that's very kind of a cannibal. Man, this is a really tasty tasty looking piece of meat, but let's build him a fire instead of putting him (laughs) on the fire. So Paul has suffered shipwreck. It's cold. He's with a bunch of cannibals. And that's my first point of really shaking it off. You may be in the place that you don't want to be with the people you don't want to be around. Mm. And I think that's with a lot of people. I know when you graduate high school, you feel like the world's your oyster. And then after a few years, maybe you go through college, you still feel like the world's your oyster. But by the time you're in your mid to late twenties, especially when you hit 30, you're like, wow, this is, this is life. And I'm not saying I dislike where I'm at, but there's a spot where you lose hope and you go, where I'm at is not where I thought I was going to be. And maybe the people I'm around aren't the people that I thought I was going to be around. Mm. But God always uses the place that you're at and the people that you're with to help you. The people that you might think would be out to kill you, like Paul, are actually building you a fire. (laughs) (laughs) But you have to have that mindset shift to realize God's going to use where I'm at and the people I'm with. I remember when I moved down to the Colorado River Valley from the Rolling Fork Valley, <laughs> I was not happy. Uh, different different vibes. It's for a sure. different vibe. And I grew up in the Rolling Fork Valley. And then when I moved, when I was 20, even though I was going to church here, I was still living up by Carbondale. I was like, oh man, I don't like living in Newcastle. Now I like Newcastle more than I like even Glenwood or Carbondale. Really? Newcastle's People awesome. who have trouble with the change, they, they live close to Two Rivers Park. That's true. <laughs> I was a, a dumb joke, it, but that's where the Roaring Fork and the Colorado collides. But I do feel like people get as close to getting into the canyon. Like you don't yeah. want to go through South Canyon. Everything changes once you get on the other side of South it's, Canyon. It's true. It is a completely different vibe on the different sides of the canyon. But for my personal testimony, I didn't want to do that. And then I remember just people that I thought, man, I will never have a connection with this person. Sometimes I have such a great connection and I get great benefit from people. I never would go out of a lineup. I want you to bring me benefit, but that's the people that God uses. So every person's important. And when you start seeing people as important, you'll experience how important they can be to you. I think you even had a few unlikely roommates that became very influential in your life. Absolutely. Uh, David Stevens, I wasn't very close to, 
Uh, but he's like, hey, I need to have a roommate. He asked me. My dad kind of forced me to move out of my house. So I ended up living with David. We were never super close friends, but we always had a good relationship. Yeah. And, and after that. Clint. We moved into Clint. I lived with Clint for four or five years. You might not be comfortable with me even saying his first name on this podcast. Oh, sorry. It was great. You want me to edit that out? No, it's fine. I'm mostly being playful, but in a playful way. Mm -hmm. Get a different perspective on where you're at. Just for the record, neither of those guys were trying to eat you. No, neither of them were cannibals. And I wouldn't even refer to them as barbarians. (laughs) That's point number one. It's just kind of funny. Yeah. So the barbarians, the natives, they start building a fire. Paul realizes, you know, I know I've just gotten shipwrecked and I'm washed up on the shore, but I'm going to help get some limbs to put this on the fire. And as he grabs limbs to put on the fire, because of the heat, a viper comes out and gets him. So point number two, I want to say this, you got to watch out for snakes. Now, Paul wasn't trying to get around snakes. Sometimes you'll get bit when you're not looking for it. But I know in my life, sometimes you look and you go, I'm just going to hang around the snakes and not get bit by them, especially when you're young. Yeah. You, you think you can be around the snakes without getting bit. Yeah. Now, Play with fire, going to get burned. Yeah. Type, Mess with the type, bull, you're going to get, get the horns. horns. If you Play rattle stu- the cage, you're going to get bit by the dog. <laughs> Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. You stand by the edge, you're going to fall off the cliff. You're swimming with sharks, you're going to. That's the same thing. But That's good. That's good. It's a lot. It's true. But we. We play that stupid game of thinking we can hang around the fire and not get burned. Uh, And if you look up, I actually got this framework of this message from a guy named Paul Doherty. He's the pastor of Victory Church in Tulsa that he took over for his dad, Billy Joe Doherty, who has a great book on prayer, probably my favorite book on prayer. I believe it's called Principles of Prayer. You get it through prayer school at New Creation Church. I don't remakend. I recommend <laughs> taking prayer school. I'm actually teaching three classes in prayer school this year. Awesome. It's great, but it's a great book. He's a great minister, and he looked up American Red Cross about snakes, and the first thing they say is just stay away from snakes. <laughs> Don't get around them. And we do play that stupid game mm-hmm. of getting around things that we think uh, we can play with and not get hurt. I remember I experienced this when I got out of high school and I started going to Colorado Mountain College. Um, I was a sheltered homeschool kid, and I started attending this class, and there was this attractive girl. She was covered in tattoos, and she would drive her car way too fast, and she really liked me, and she cussed a lot. So I was this good <laughs> Christian blonde-haired boy, and I show up to the campus, and I'm kind of new to it, and she just like comes right in, and then I would met her in the parking lot, and she like put it neutral, and, like pretend like she was gonna run me over, and I thought, oh, this is cute. She always <laughs> wanted to hang out with me. She was bad news, but I almost got bit, mm. but I thought I could hang around, and you just have to make that determination. I may get bit by random snakes by doing the right thing, but don't hang around snakes just to hang around them. Well, it kind of reminds me of a saying that I have heard my whole life, but then I kind of adopted, I kind of rephrased it and actually woke up from a nap in the Dallas-Fort Worth airport and said this to you. Remember it? I don't, but you're going to rekindle the memory. Yeah. I woke up from a nap and literally just, these were the words that came out of my head, out of my mouth. Eat the hay, spit out the sticks, but don't go looking for hay in a pile of sticks. Yeah, it's true. Same That's true. Thing. <laughs> I, 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 I remember I, I was asleep in the middle of Concourse B. Where are you hanging out? Where are you looking? Here's where snakes, according to the American Red Cross, are looking. They hide in hidden dark areas. Yeah. 
So often we get bit in the areas that we try to keep hidden. Mm. Our secret sins, the things that are hidden in our life, for a lot of guys, it was for me, pornography, uh, sexual vices that you deal with, you don't bring those up. You are repeatedly getting bit by snakes. Yeah. Uh, hiding out in hidden areas because that's where snakes are. Here's another thing, place that the American Red Cross say, snake, snakes. Snakes. Oh. <laughs> I just accessed the robber. Down under, grace. <laughs> Down under. Look at that crikey. We're not talking about <laughs> crocodiles. We're talking about snakes. They can climb. And they actually can go out on branches and go after people's heads. Oh, A gosh. lot of people have been bit in the head and they're dealing with mental health issues. New fear unlocked. Thank you. And Paul Doherty talked about it being in Tulsa and he was sitting at a camp when he was a kid and he was hanging out in a cottonmouth was like in a tree where he was hanging out at the camp and it was like just slithering up right behind his head. So you got to watch out for that because they'll, they'll bite on your mind. And a lot of people in our society, in this generation are dealing with so many mental health difficulties. They've been bit in the head. Another spot, they hang out in the grass mm. and they'll go after your feet. Now we know that we are to shod ourselves with the gospel, the shoes of peace, and the snakes will take away your peace. Now, the American Red Cross says, don't, this is where snakes are. What you need to do if you're going to be in a place where there are snakes and in society, there are spiritual snakes, they say, you need to wear protective clothing. Guess what? We have protective clothing as believers. It's the armor of God. We have the shoes of peace. We have the breastplate of righteousness. We have the shield of faith. All of these things are to protect us from getting bit. But what happens if you're going to get bit? You know, you may get bit in life. American Red Cross says these are the symptoms of when you do get bit. You'll have blurred vision, you can experience vertigo, and you can experience paralysis. Really, the purpose of the enemy biting onto you is to get you to lose vision for your life, to spin. Man, I've been wow. spinning around things. Things that really... If I get the answer to them, they're not going to help me move forward in life. Mm. Man, I got to figure this out. I got to figure this out. Why? What happened here? You start spinning like you're experiencing vertigo and then paralysis. You can't move forward in life. That's the effects of a snake bite. Where did Paul get bit? He got bit in his hand. Now, there's three things about Paul getting bit in his hand that I want to talk about. First off, uh, if you get bit in the hand, it's hard to lift up your hand if it's paralyzed. Yeah. So first off, he was helping build a fire. I bet, you know, <laughs> he might not, he might have stopped building the fire if his hand was paralyzed. Yeah. <laughs> the work that he was doing, the natural work, might stop. I know that when people get bit in the head and they experience depression, you don't want to do anything. Yeah. You just stop working. How about worshiping? Try raising your hands if you have a paralyzed hand. Not gonna work. And then Paul, maybe his greatest purpose, even to this day is his writings. Yeah. What if Paul would have been bit in his hand and he couldn't write anymore? The enemy's looking to stop you moving forward in those three areas, working, worshiping, and writing. Mm. Your purpose can stop. Now, American Red Cross says, if you have been bit, this is what you want to do. You want to make sure that wherever you've been bit, that you don't lift it above your heart. Right. A lot of people want to put a tourniquet on a snake bite, but actually your blood flow helps a lot of venomous snake bites. And the interesting thing is, spiritually speaking, the blood of Jesus, no matter what's happened in your past, what yeah. has bit you, helps you wow. move forward. Blood of Jesus can wash it away. I know I've been bit by certain things that I felt stuck in them. People experience addictions and they experience shame, but the blood of Jesus can free you from all of that. Hmm, that's some good stuff. 
keeping it below your heart, you know, that lots of time, like with a, just like a normal injury, they tell you to keep it elevated, but you're dealing with poison here and you cannot afford to let that poison get into your heart. That's the whole point, right? Keeping it below your heart. I so. Man, I was just thinking about that because once something gets into your heart is when you truly start to believe it. So any type of spiritual snake bite, any type of attack from the enemy, what helps you guard from from keeping it getting to your heart is, well, all these, I mean, the armor of God, right? Here's an interesting analogy about spiritually what it looks like when something gets on your heart. And Reverend Harry Wilson, a missionary in Guatemala, told this in his Bible school, and I remember sticking with me. He told a story about a gentleman who went to a tattoo parlor and he was going through the book of all the tattoos and there was like, I love you, mom. And then there was a choice for a tattoo that said, I am stupid. <laughs> and the gentleman went to the tattoo parlor aficionado, the guy who owned the tattoo parlor and said, has anyone ever chosen number 46? I am stupid. And he said, yeah. He said, why would anyone choose number 46? I am stupid. And he said, Here's why they choose it. Because before I tattoo it on their skin, they had it tattooed on their heart. Wow. That's when the venom actually hits the yeah. heart. Wow. Um, another thing I was thinking of too is that like when you experience vertigo, I mean, there's a lot of different symptoms of vertigo. The most common is like spinning around. There seems like the room is spinning. But another s- s- symptom of vertigo is thinking that you're really high and that you're going to fall. Like, fall. And I was just thinking about like, maybe this might sound really kind of cliche, but like the snake bite of pride kind of elevating you to a place that really you're not at. Um, It's kind of an ego trip. Um, I don't have much weight to that saying, so I'll probably just move on from it. This is a little different than what you just compared to being high and being scared you're going to fall and you're not going to fall. But in Proverbs, it says that the righteous are as bold as a lion, but the wicked flee when no, no one, one pursues, which means it's there's an delusion. estimated threat that isn't even real. Yeah. Now, when you've been bit, you have, oh, oh this is going to happen. Uh, uh, you get nervous. You get almost psychotic mm. with all the threats that aren't even there. Yeah. So I attributed that to as well. So first off, you know, you might be in a place like Malta when you want to be in Rome. Second off, you got to watch out for snakes. Look at all these effects. Keep it below your heart. Third, you got to shake it off. And I'm not asking you to swift it. Funny story <laughs> about that song, Shake It Off. What were the, Kristen and Danny, were that, was that their names? Yeah, the Do you comedians. remember they came and they did a really fun night yeah. with the whole church and they had all these different things. They had animal noises where they did an orchestra of animal yep. noises. And then they did like name that tune where you had to actually sing part of that tune. They pointed me in the crowd and they said, yeah. get up here, I get remember. up here. So I, I hate singing in front of people. I was not excited about that. So I get up and the song they choose for me is Shake It Off. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know this song. And everybody's shaming me in the whole church. How do you not know this song? I had never heard that song. They're like, play it again. You know this song. And they played it again. I don't know. And they're like, give him another song. And the song was Boot Scoot and Boogie. And I definitely know that song. <laughs> but since then, I've heard the song Shake It Off. What is it? Haters gonna hate, hate, hate. Players yeah. gonna play, play, play. You just you gotta shake it off. You know more than I do. Well... <laughs> When you had a dramatic experience like that, you have to learn the song afterwards. (laughs) You run to the thing that hurts you and you get it in you. But I'm not a Swifty and I'm not telling you to Swift it. What I'm telling you is to faith it. A lot of people deny problems. I'm not telling you to deny problems, but there comes a point where you just have to shake whatever the enemy's doing off your life 
and continue to move forward. He, Paul didn't freak out. Red Cross tells you don't panic. What he did was literally just shook it off into the fire and kept moving forward. Yeah. And I, I just see faith in that. Shake it off. Uh, don't do what your body's telling you to. Don't do what's easy. Kill the snake and move forward. That's faith. It is. There's some part where you have to make the decision. I think that's what it is. It's a decision. Just shaking it off is a decision. Now, are there ramifications I'm going to have to deal with and some healing I'm going to have to do as I move forward? Absolutely. But I'm going to make the decision to move forward by shaking this off right now. I'm, I'm also even thinking just even like sometimes with physical illness, I think sometimes we, if we allow ourselves to, let's just say like, man, I'm, I'm kind of not feeling good. I could, it could go either way. I could go into work, maybe not. As soon as you make the choice to stay in bed, I think a lot of that sickness progressive progresses just because of the mental aspect of it. You allow your body to kind of succeed to those, those feelings you got to get the spirit of what we're saying because yeah. there's obvious times where you do have to rest and be mindful of what maybe God's telling you through your physical body. I think he'll talk to you that area, but there are times where you have to continue to move forward. I know there's been times where I've had a sore throat and I wake up in the morning. It's like, oh man, sore throat's crazy. But then I go to work and I get about my responsibilities mm-hmm. and I forget like that right. I even have a sore throat. And then I get home and I sit down on the couch. And I'm like, oh man, right. my throat's sore again. Well, what's the difference? One, I'm giving time for all of the symptoms to rule over the responsibilities I have in my day. And if we just allow the Holy Spirit to highlight more of the responsibility and the awesome plans he has for us, then the physical uh, peakings and, hey, I'm here, you're sick, you're (laughs) sick, you're sick, we'd have more fruit in our lives, I believe. But even just like not just... Even on the physical aspect of it too, when, when something happens in your life and you go through all the what ifs and if this happens, then this will happen. And uh, Listen, like the, the placebo effect is a real thing and it's been obviously studied a lot in science and in, in medicine. I mean, you can take something and your body can respond to nothing. So in the same way, even just emotionally, when you allow yourself to go down that rabbit trail of the what ifs in a situation, you can even get physically sick from that. But I love that. Shake it off. Shake it back into the fire. Keep moving forward. And it's really easy. It's really hard to move forward when you don't have a goal or a vision set before you. So you're like, you ever get bit by the snake? And you're like, why do I even shake this off? Because like, I got really nothing I'm pursuing. Exactly. This is just kind of the cards that I've been dealt. I don't know. Food for thought. Absolutely. He shakes it off. And when he shakes it off, the barbarians, the cannibals, start using their mental faculties, faculties, and they start thinking like, wow, why'd this guy get bit? And it's interesting. Paul didn't insulted. do anything to get bit. He was he was just trying to serve, really. So not everything happens for a reason? Uh, I'm not going to get into that rabbit hole, but my, what I'm saying is sometimes you run into the devil because you're not running with him. And when you can be running towards God and you run into the enemy... And what does the fire represent? Well, I know that our God is an all-consuming fire. And many times the fire of God and the cloud filled the temple where people were meeting. When we get into the presence of God and pursue the presence of God, you're bound to run into the enemy at times. Yeah. 
And people will make assumptions of why difficulties are happening in your life. And that's what exactly what the natives did. They said, oh, this man must be a murderer. I think they were a little shocked because they just saw these people crashed on shore. They decided they were going to be nice. But most everyone who crashed on that shore was a prisoner and a pretty rough dude. So they started to realize, all right, this guy got bit because he's on a slave ship. He obviously killed a bunch of people. But Paul didn't argue with the people. He just shook it in the fire and kept moving on. And they continued to watch him. And what I get out of this is we just have to keep moving forward. Paul's survival was sufficient to prove his success. So often we're trying to prove ourselves to people. And if we just lived out what the Bible tells us to live out, it would be enough. Hmm. But so often we're trying to use our voice and convince people and persuade them that we're doing what's right instead of just living what's required of us. And if we continue to move forward, it'd be enough for people to see the supernatural working of God in our life. Because that was the result of Paul. Not for the first time, but for the second time, people thought he was a God. Another time, I believe in Lystra with Barnabas, they prayed for a man who was lame since birth. And when the man started walking, the head priest of the two different uh, pagan churches, the church of Zeus and the church of Hermes came out and they started throwing wreaths on Barnabas and Paul because they thought literally Zeus and Hermes had wow. come down to meet with them. Wow. It kind of reminds me of that. I don't remember which minister said it, but preach the gospel and sometimes use words. Sometimes we're so caught up in, like you said, proving ourselves, making sure we know it and that they know that we know it. But really they're kind of just looking, the world is watching on how we're going to respond to situations, how we're going to bounce back from situations and if we're going to keep moving forward. And that's, most of the times that's a louder witness than anything you could probably say. Exactly. So, good that's stuff. what I got. Shake it I'm going to recap for you. Do it. You may not be in the place you want to be and not with the people that you thought you would be with, but you can learn a lot Absolutely. from those types of people. They might be the people who build you a fire so you right. can keep moving forward. And you got to watch out for snakes. You stay away from them. They hide in the hidden areas. They can climb and get into your head. They're in the grass, which means you got to wear protective clothing. Symptoms, blurred vision, vertigo, paralysis. <laughs> and they'll try and bite you in the hand, the thing that you are that God is using for you to be effective for the kingdom. Exactly. Right? Working, worshiping, writing. And once if you get bit, you keep it below your heart. You don't let that poison get into your heart. And then you shake it off. Why? So the world's watching. Amen. What a beautiful. I just thought I'd recap. What it a for beautiful you. bow. You know, you're the to one wrap who's usually up this tie, tying the bows. I should be used to it because I tie bows in my girl's hair all the time. Uh-huh. All right. I'll go to my wisdom of the day real quick. Um, uh, just the one that resonated the most with me is that snakes are in the hidden areas. So, what areas in your life are you trying to keep from God, trying to keep from other people? Those are the areas that you're going to get bit in the most. Um, so, it's just a good, good reminder. My wisdom is when you get bit, because you're bound to get bit in this life. And here's the deal. You may not be able to keep the snakes from biting you, but you can keep the venom from killing you. Yeah. And what, how you do that is you keep that from getting into your heart. You yep. keep the venom from getting into your heart. Uh, guard your heart. So often we can be guarded to what God wants to use and allow the enemy free entrance to our heart. But when we do get bit, don't allow that experience to damage our faith and our love for God. Yep. Protect your heart. Keep it below the heart. Amen. Am I praying? Or are you praying? Oh, I'm praying, right? I'm praying. All right. It's a good thing.
<laughs> Father God, oh, we thank you for this time that we get to reflect on your word, Lord, that we would be uh, people who are living in a state of awareness, the understanding that there are things out there that are trying to bite us and not just bite us anywhere, sometimes bite us in the head. Um, and I just pray, Father God, I thank you, actually, Father God, that you've given us the tools, the equipment to battle against the strategies of the enemy. I thank you for the armor of God. I thank you for the shoes of peace. I thank you for the helmet of salvation. I just thank you, Father God. We just pray right now that those who are listening would be more confident and secure in their salvation and what you've provided them, the tools that you've given them to battle the enemy, Father God, so we're not just walking around continually getting bit but if we do i thank you father god right now and we just pray right now that that poison would not go to the heart that we would guard our hearts like john was just saying and because uh, the world is the world is watching and i just pray that you're helping us be able to live out our faith walk in a way that um really ministers to the world and just how we respond and how we react in jesus name amen amen and i just want to say this as we go so often those snake bites can be words that people said. And I meant to share this story. I'm just going to share it real quick and then I'll yep. do the whole Sony growing with J and J and we'll send ourselves out. Oh, stop. <laughs> I said it. He had to press the button. No, I remember I was in Guatemala and I've been there so many times and I was there for an internship for about six weeks and I was doing a lot of meetings. I was preaching a lot and there were two students that came in from Rama Bible training center and there were two girls and I remember I, I just was, was on a high mountaintop of feeling like I was doing great things and people responding well. And I was seeing fruit from the ministry I was providing. And this one girl asked, hey, did, did you go to Rhema? And I said, no, I, I didn't go to Rhema. And she's like, okay, well, did you go to college? I said, a little bit. She said, wow, you've really done nothing with your life. And I just remember it was like a viper bite right into me. And by grace, just wanting to move forward, I, I just kind of was like, okay, if you see it that way, and then I just moved on, and I felt like I spiritually shook it off, and I was able to continue moving forward. Everyone has scenarios. You probably have scenarios worse than that, listener, but I pray there's just a grace to shake it off, and if you have yep. to literally, I don't know, maybe you have to turn on Taylor Swift and listen <laughs> to the song to shake it off, do it because your future's worth it, yep. and with that, I believe in your future is another episode of the Sewing and Growing Podcast. I, I with think J &J. that's in their future. That's in their Let's future. Let's speak it into existence. So we'll be back next time on the Sewing and Growing Podcast with J and J.